Welcome to another episode of Love and War, the podcast in which the irresistible force overcomes the immovable object. I'm your host, Lee Ballinger. I'm an author, poet, and producer based in Los Angeles. If you want to know more, check out my bio on Facebook, L-E-E-B-A-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. You can hit me up at rockrap at AOL.com. R-O-C-K-R-A-P, or on Facebook. On August 19th, there was a junior welterweight championship fight in Lincoln, Nebraska, between Terrence Crawford of Omaha, who is black, and the African fighter Julius Ndongo. Crawford, who stubbornly attempts to have all his fights take place in Nebraska, won the fight. But there's more to it. Just before the fight began, Crawford's trainers entered the ring. One was white and one was Mexican. Crawford himself was escorted into the ring by the father of Sam Foltz, a Nebraska football player who was killed in an accident last year. The Foltzes are white. The crowd in the arena was very mixed. They celebrated together when Crawford won. If you are inclined to think that the Terrence Crawford situation is an exception, you might want to check out the struggle to halt pipeline construction in eastern Nebraska. That battle pits white farmers united with Native American tribes against the fossil fuel industry. Still not convinced that there are positive changes in America? Okay. Check out this report from Business Insider. It goes like this. Mainstream media painted Trump's election victory as a white working class revolt. The real story is that voters who fled the Democrats in the Rust Belt were twice as likely either to vote for a third party or to stay at home rather than to embrace Trump. Compared with 2012, Three times as many voters in the Rust Belt who made under $100,000 a year voted for third parties. Similarly, compared with 2012, some 500,000 more voters chose to sit out the presidential election. If there was a Rust Belt revolt this year, it was the voters' flight from both parties. The story of a white working-class revolt in the Rust Belt just doesn't hold up. In the Rust Belt, Democrats lost 1.35 million voters. Trump picked up less than half at 590,000. The rest stayed home or voted for someone other than the major party candidates. As for why so many people have abandoned the Democrats, consider the case of Dianne Feinstein. Feinstein has been U.S. Senator from California since 1992 so she has the seniority and clout to help the American people. She is a Democrat. On August 30th, at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco, the liberal city where she was once mayor for 10 years, Feinstein called for patience with President Donald Trump. She added that she thinks he can be a good president. It's no coincidence that Dianne Feinstein's husband is a billionaire. But we are sick and tired of hearing this song Telling how you are gonna change right from wrong 
a new book out called Love and War, my first 30 years of writing. You can download a copy absolutely free at loveandwarbook.com. That's loveandwarbook.com. Let me know what you think of it. Neil Sean, guitarist with Journey, was extremely critical of the three members of the band who visited Donald Trump at the White House in early August. Journey keyboardist Jonathan Kane is married to Paula White who is a spiritual advisor to Donald Trump and who was a featured speaker at Trump's inauguration. White is a televangelist and the senior pastor at a Florida megachurch. She is an advocate of the selfish prosperity gospel and has a reported net worth of $5 million. Her website urges people to partner with her financially. She evidently sees no contradiction between all this and the actual life of Jesus who overturned the tables of the money changers in the temple. She evidently sees no contradiction between enriching herself and the fact that the majority of Christians in the United States now live in poverty. As for the conflict in the band, it may not be spiritual at all. Consider that when Journey played the classic concert West at Dodger Stadium on July 29th, Neil Sean stepped into the spotlight to perform a solo version of Amazing Grace. Ernie Perez, lead singer of the Boxing Gandhis and president of the congregation at Hope Los Angeles, told me the performance, quote, lit up the whole stadium, the most amazing performance of Amazing Grace I've ever heard, end quote. V.J. Lynn Gupta is a violinist with the L.A. Philharmonic and the director of Street Symphony, a group of classical musicians who perform for the homeless all across Southern California. Gupta began a September 6 Facebook post by quoting the Czech composer Anton Dvorak on Living in America. And so, it is very wild here and sometimes very sad, sad to despair. Dorjak added, If in my own career I have achieved a measure of success and reward, it is to some extent due to the fact that I was the son of poor parents and was reared in an atmosphere of struggle and endeavor. Vijay Gupta continues, Thoughts as I play my last Hollywood Bowl concert this season. Dorjak, a short, poor, bohemian man, tasked with finding an American sound in post-Civil War America, composed much of the revered New World Symphony in rural Iowa, reflecting on his experiences with black and native people. He also spent much of his life creating ways for black musicians to find their own uniquely American voice. 
What would Vorjak's New World Symphony be today? As so many of us despair at the brutality of DACA's repeal, the continued brutality against black and native people, perhaps we might play Dvorak's music with a bit more despair, a bit more wildness, and the clear knowledge that America will always be a process towards finding what might be our own moral symphony for a new world. Sam Barsh, who keeps busy as one of L.A.'s top session keyboard players, recently posted this. In light of the recent high-profile suicides of rock stars who seemingly had it all, as well as a few in my own private circles, I want to keep it real for a minute about mental health. I have a few talents that I have been blessed with. One of them, for better or for worse, is a mastery at hiding my own pain to the public. I am largely an extrovert, and I usually come alive most when I am around people. In my worst moments, even being in public was difficult. But for the most part, even on days where I felt so dark that I didn't want to leave the house, if I finally got my ass onto the subway, by the time I got to where I was going, I was able to rise to the occasion for the time I was there. Then the darkness would return. Thankfully, with the help of very close friends, I was able to discover that I suffered from bipolar disorder, and with the help of a mood stabilizer medication, therapy, regular exercise, and surrounding myself with positive people, I have never looked back. I highly doubt that I'd be living a positive and productive life with an amazing fiancé and the means to be charitable without dealing with my disorder. The biggest theme I want to express here is that mental illness or disorders don't need to rule your life. Once you can th see things from a different perspective, you realize that life can be enjoyable, and things that seem so daunting are often not that big of a deal. I was incredibly stubborn about going to therapy for basically my entire life until I moved to California. A misconception that I had was that therapy is a constant digging and over-analysis of your psyche and a lifelong opening of different Pandora's boxes. For me, it has totally been the opposite. I have been able to get to the bottom of issues that have affected my behavior and mentality. And once this has been done, everything actually seems much more simple. It shouldn't be that hard to live a happy life, but our brains and our society is complicated. However, most of us have the ability, with help if necessary, to live enjoyable and productive lives in our short time on this earth. Do I speak for the world? Let's finish up with a quote of the week, this time from Michael Bennett of the Seattle Seahawks. I believe in the connection of people. It's the connection of oppressed people around the world, of different colors, different cultures, and not just thinking what you're going through is the most important thing.
I believe you need to be uncomfortable to become comfortable with different people. That's it for now. If you see me on the street, smile back. Well, together we stand, divided we fall. Come on now, people, let's all get on the ball and work together. Come on, come on, let's work together. We're here now, people, because together we will stand every ball. Every woman